0: Well, I'd like to, to start by reading um a passage and then we'll then we'll pray over the time. It's Luke chapter seventeen in the first ten verses of Luke seventeen. This is in the middle of um a lot of teaching of Jesus. He did he just Teaching kind of going from one thing to the other, um, most of it connects, but some some of it we think um, scholars will say is kind of like an amalgamation of lots of different things that he he spoke. So it's kind of getting toward the end um, of that section, but not quite. Anyway, just for a little bit of con- context, there. <coughs> Luke seventeen. Verse 1. And he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, and if he were cast into the sea, than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he not, does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Lord, I pray that these words this morning would be um, life, and um, that as we go delve into your word, and um, Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear from you this morning. May you... Use um, the words that I have to say to communicate what you want to communicate, that your message is what will be heard, not what is even in my mind um, to share, Lord, but that um, you would speak to each one here in in an individual way to um, teach us what it is that you want us to learn this morning. Commit this to you in Jesus' name. (coughs) So you also, verse 10, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. I'm going to talk about that last word this morning, duty. I want to ask, though, this is a question for um, everyone in here. What is duty? Someone give me, like, the basic definition. What is duty? Something you're supposed to do. Something you're supposed to do. That is accurate. Any Anything, um, any other aspect or definition? Usually within a level roles. That That's true. An obligation. An obligation. They're true, but this word, um, duty, both in English, the roots in English, and in Greek, it is. It's about obligation. I'm going to read the the Noah Webster definition from that old um, dictionary that that we like to read from because it was um, more accurate and it's scripturally based. The definition of duty. Now, um, that... Definition in Noah's Webster, Noah Webster's 1828, I think it is, um, dictionary, has a lot of different um, extended definitions, but I'm going to read the basic one they have. Definition of duty is that which a person owes to another, that which a person is bound by any natural, moral, or legal obligation to pay, do, or perform. That is to say, something you're supposed to do. Or, but, in, but, but no. Going deeper, it has a lot to do with debt. It's something owed. Even in Greek, the word, and I meant to write the Greek word down. That is used mostly used for duty. There are a couple other oughts and duties um, translated also, and they're they're not exactly the same word, but they kind of carry the same connotation. But that word translated duty. Here is specifically this obligation, a debt that is owed. So when, 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 when you think of duty, this is another question that I want to an answer. It's not a rhetorical question. Um, there's only, I was going to ask the children, but there's only one child in here, and I don't know. I want to put you on the spot. So I'm going to ask this question. If you think you have an answer, you can answer it. Otherwise, we'll pass it on, okay? When you think of the word duty, what comes to mind? I don't mean the definition, but what comes to mind as duty? Ava, you have first crack at this. If you chores, yes, that's a that's like the great answer. All right, um, anybody else? What do you think? What's the first thing that comes to mind? As long as it's different than what Ava says, military. Military. (laughs) Taking care, of your parents taking care of your parents as they're getting older. care of your parents as they're getting older. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything else?
1: Yes, and that's
0: actually even in the Noah Webster dictionary. That's one of the extended um, definitions. Is it's like a, a toll or a or some obligation in a legal sense. yeah obedience so this is this is good, so I want to tell you when when I was think I had this the other day some I heard somebody say, um, to do your duty, oh no, I know what it was somebody was talking about um it was a history podcast I was listening to, and then I was talking about robert e. lee um because uh he he he's a, he's a complicated figure in our history um and growing up like it was all glowing, glowing, and now everybody's always all bad. But um, one thing that every historian will say that he was known for and and that he was honored for was that he, when he saw what, what he thought was his duty, he did it all the way. Everybody in his family, everybody who served under him, they saw him as doing duty. So I thought duty, and what immediately came to mind to me from, from that, Robert E. Lee is not what came to mind because I was listening to it, was actually a scene – a movie scene from the Quiet Man movie. Now, who here has seen The Quiet Man? It's a good old Irish John Wayne movie. It's like, if Rod Feeney has not seen it, I would be shocked. It's, he did, he did. He, he raised his hand. <laughs> so. Um, if you if the the essence of this story is an American who um or whose parents had emigrated from Ireland. Um, after his parents died, after a lot of things happened to him, he was a boxer and all this stuff. He, you don't know that right away. He comes back to Ireland, and he um, he sees this this girl and he's, he's captivated by her, and he pursues her in the American way, which is not the Irish way, and all these different things happen to him and to her, and to the people around them, and it's very Irish. It's like the most Irish movie that I've ever watched. And um, But her brother is, like, really upset with this guy, and he sees him as a rival, and he doesn't want his sister to um, marry him. But eventually, through kind of by hook and crook, um, he does marry this girl, but he's still feuding with this brother, this big old... Um, Irishman and, and this boxer who they don't know is a boxer. And the whole movie, you see this fight coming on. There's a fight coming on. That's kind of, and then so the movie does, it culminates in, um, he says, he's like, you're gonna take your, your sister back to her, you know, because it's your stupid custom. And he's like, and he goes, and the guy, the brother goes, take a, a swing at him, and, um, he ducks and punches him in the, like, hits him, and then everyone's like, yes, it's here! So the word goes out far and wide, and people run in from here and there. Well, one of the people who sees what's going on is this young priest. Um, he's kind of, I don't know if he's, he's actually a priest or if he's being trained in the priesthood, whatever, but he's working with, with the older priest. And the older priest is this kind of easy-going guy. He, he loves fishing. So he's out fishing. And the young priest, he's like, oh no, this big fight's going on. What am I going to do? So he runs to the, to the stream and he comes, father, father, there's a fight. Um, it's, it's, and I, I'm to put a stop to it. And, and he's like, the, the old priest is, is holding his rod. He's like, yeah, yeah, you should put a stop to it. That's, that, that's what you should do. You, you should do that. He's like, no, Father, I'm to put a stop to it, but it's, it's, it's Sean Thornton and Will Danaher. And the priest goes, Sean Thornton and Will Danaher, why didn't you tell me? Throws his rod down and he goes running with them. They go running in their priestly garments. They come, they run, um, the guy, like, they come to the gate and the priest, the old priest jumps right over the gate. The young priest has to open and they walk out. They get to the corner and they're about to run around. The old priest stops. He goes, oh, stop. And the, guy, and, the, and the young priest says, Father, what should we do? What should we do? And he says, ah, oh, oh, we should, we should put a stop to it. He's like, Father, I should put a stop to it. It's our duty. That's what came to mind to me. He's like, yeah. And the old priest said, yes, it's our duty. It is our duty to put a stop to it. And they never put a stop to it. Um, I'm assuming he just watches the whole thing. But it was his duty to put a stop to it. That's what came to mind to me. <laughs> So, I don't know if that's going to relate a whole lot to everything else, but, but there's this sense of duty that, that every person has. A problem with this word, though, is now, in, in, in this time in history in particular, the whole concept of duty has been turned on its head, where I, people I, the, the individual is in general more focused on what others' duty is to them than what their duty is to others <laughs> yeah, exactly that's a good good one um, so but but the the Bible's filled with talk about duty, and duty has this huge you hear duty and you hear chores, you hear obedience you hear, you hear all. The parts of duty that are part of duty, but there's something missing when we think of doing our duty. And so I want to just talk a little bit about duty this morning. Um, it's not not a super long, thing. it might not even go longer than the short little story way. But um, in Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse three, Paul says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. That we ought is. It, it could be translated differently. It is our duty to always give thanks to God for you. It that's just that's an example. And there's a few other places in Scripture says we ought to do this. It is our duty to do this. Even in the Old Testament, um, we have like in Micah it says um, the whole duty of man. Um, it talks, oh, no, no, no. In, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about this is the whole duty of man, to fear God and to keep his commandments. And then in Micah, it says, what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you but to do, just, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? These are requirements given. These are duty things given. Um, this is, um, we have a duty to God now, but why do we have a duty to God? And this comes back to—I'm not going to dwell on this because this is kind of more of a background um, thing. But the, but and so I'm not going to go source it in script in all the scripture and everything. But God is the Creator. He is the ruler. He is the authority. So duty has something to do with authority. And so when we come to the idea of these slaves who are working in the field all day and they come back and their duty is. It's because there is one in authority over them. So we come, I, I found this in, in, when I was looking, I was in the Strong's Concordance trying to kind of trace this word a little bit. Um, and one word that, one place that sur- kind of surprised me that this came up was in Hebrews chapter 2. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. And this is talking about our Lord Jesus. Now I'm going to read this, um, and then I'm going to ask somebody who has the King James to read this verse again, because um, you might find something a little bit different in there that's helpful. Um, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every aspect, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Um, King James, Read it. Does somebody have King James? Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Wouldn't it be great if we still had a word like "behoove" that we used? It, but that word is the exact same word used in um, Luke, talking about the duty of the slaves. It was his duty that is a that is a very interesting point there you know we've heard and this uh of the phrase um we owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe, and that in one sense is true, of course, because Jesus never sinned and he died for the sins, and yet it says here. That it was his duty to be made like his brothers, uh, to be a merciful and faithful high priest, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Why? And, speak, and and that comes back to who he was before the Father. The Father, God, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit—they're they're one and the same. They're, they're, there's no—they're co-equal in glory. The, trin- the the mystery of the Trinity—and yet there's an authority where. God the Father told his, wanted his son to become a man to die and um to take on the sins of man, and thus at that point, it became his duty to do that, so it was his duty he it behooved him um it's, it's, it's the e s v says he had to be. Um, so it's not just like in order to do this he had to be no. In order to do this, it was his duty to become a man. And so we have this connection where we think we owe God something. And we do. We we owe we owe him service, and I'll get into that a little bit. But starting with Jesus himself had a duty to his father. And then in Romans chapter thirteen it does talk about what is our duty this is another one um this is the the, the same the ver- same verb um and i wish i had written down the greek word it's Ophilo. Ophilo. okay I, I i was thinking ofilio <coughs> um, and so i was actually quote okay okay but i didn't want to say it and have, have people say no that's not it um in any case in romans 13 Verse 8, it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then he goes on and says that love sums up, and he gives a list of commandments. We, as the children of God, we owe one another. It is our duty to love one another. That sounds harsh, like it is my duty to love one another. But even you know, in the context of marriage, Paul talks about a husband has a duty to the wife, a wife has a duty to the husband, and it's spoken of in, in a sense of, of something that should be joyful and um, pleasurable together. It's, it's not talked about in the, in the sense of taking care of the sick or whatever there. It's, it's a duty, though. And then we get to Philippians chapter 2, and Paul lays out a duty to the, to the um, Philippian believers, but in this time he actually relates it to um, our Lord Jesus. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. His rights as a co-equal with God was not something that he thought, that, that, that he counted as something that he should grasp. It could also be taken as it was something he didn't need to grasp it because he already had it. But even in having it, the glory of God the Father. So this was the duty Jesus had to his Father. And Paul is saying, just like Jesus put on that mind of humility and submission and obedience to his Father to do the will of his Father, so also we should put on that humility and that love um, for our Father and to obey and to think about the interests of others. And um, in 2 Peter, so, so this is what we, we have to do. There is a problem, though, um, with our doing the will of God. What is that problem? We can't. Why? Because of sin. So... That's the problem with we, ha- we owe a duty to, to our God. Every mankind has. And I'm going to go to Second Peter. And um, in Second Peter chapter 2, I'm not going to read in chapter 2 and 3 here this, this part. But Peter goes through a number of different individuals and maybe types of individuals and groups and talks about them. He talks about the angels, how they failed in their duty to God. They sinned. Um, then, then that some are being led astray into sensuality by false prophets, um, the whole world before the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, all these who owed a duty to God, and none of them were able to keep it. And none of them did. We don't understand the whole angels thing because you would assume they were, because some angels did not sin, that they're able to. But in any case, Peter mentions the angels who sinned. Um, he says, those who indulge in lust and despise authority. What was that? I'm just kind of summarizing 2 Peter 2. Um so if you want to look more closely, that's fine. Um in, in chapter 3 he talks oh no 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 he talks about those who followed Balaam's way um, being unsteady and then in the and then in chapter three he talks about how in the last days there will be scoffers who follow their own way. All and then um Isaiah in talking about us Says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him—that is Jesus—the iniquity of us all. So we've turned our own way. We're not, and and because of sin, there's this chasm. We sing about it. There, um, who um the chasm between us and and the Lord. There's a gulf fixed between where we are and the where the Lord is. But at the beginning of Second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. In Christ, I um, will start in verse 2 because um, it starts with Jesus our Lord. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So what he's saying is this chasm, this sin blocking the way, through his power, through his promise, through his um, the not through knowing him, that's that's all done away with, and the power. To fulfill our duty is there. Um, and then, so then he goes on after, after this. And he says, we've escaped this corruption now. So now he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Our these become our duty to the father, but there's something about duty that sounds again in in, in especially in our modern ears. But it might have been so in the past too. I didn't I didn't do enough research to look 200 years ago to see how people saw duty, but um, this call to duty is not. When we think duty, we think something that is difficult, that is hard, that we don't want to do, that is joyless, that is self-effacing, that is sacrificial. But God, when he talked, when he was back in the Old Testament, when he was um, pronouncing the possible future curse on the children of Israel, He's talking about duty. He 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 says, "You did not keep my commandment." But then he makes a statement that is that is, or Moses does, makes this statement in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. Um, and right after he gave all these curses and these blessings, <coughs> blessings and then curses. In verse forty-seven. He says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and lacking everything. There were two. There's two duties spoken of here. One is the duty to God and the second is the duty to a, a captor. Uh, A nation that would take them captive. And in the first, he said, because you did not serve me with joyfulness and gladness, you will serve them. Your duty will be to them, but it will be filled with hunger and thirst and nakedness and in lack. And often we look at the duty we have toward the Lord in those in that that lens that we are losing something. We we um, when we know that it is it is our duty to seek the Lord and pray and 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 read the read the Word. It is our duty to do that. But this is all about our attitude, our mind. And so when he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, he's talking about a mindset, having our mind pointed in a specific direction, and that is that our duty toward God, there are times where we do not, it's not necessarily enjoyable, but if we look past. Maybe the momentary frustrations or difficulties or um, distractions that 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 make it hard for us to do this duty before God, and we look at w- the joy of the of being obedient to the Father and being declared by him um to be well um, when he says well done, good and faithful servant, looking toward that, you have done your duty it did I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so um, don't look back and say, what, well, he misquoted, I did. Uh, but, but he says, welcome into the joy of your Lord. And doing our duty should not, for, for when, you, when you're doing it for one you love, should not be onerous. It shouldn't be um, filled with murmuring and complaining. It should be a joy in it. It is not joyful as a parent. To get up at 3.30 in the morning to um, deal with a a child who wants to just push you away but needs dealt with. That's not joyful in in itself, but there's a joy behind it, uh, a a cheerfulness in a sense that this is one I love and the end result of this is um, of this discipline that I need to give or the the help I need to give or, or so on is good and there's joy in it. You see, see the difference? So um, we are to do our duty. And duty is, is important, but we don't do our duty with hands hanging down and um, with slouched shoulders. And um, they say this about work. You know, you can do work and every day of your life you hate your job. But if you look on it, as if, if, if somehow you are, are able to find um, a purpose in it, and actually, my wife said this. so This wasn't part of my message, but as I was summarizing it to Sarah on the way in, she mentioned something that fifth here. She said, without purpose, duty becomes a drudgery. Without purpose, duty becomes drudgery. And when we have this purpose to know our Lord Jesus Christ, to be found in him, um, not having our righteousness, having his righteousness to be formed in him, to be transformed, conformed to his image. This is a glorious purpose. And that purpose gives duty a joy and a cheerfulness. Uh, it says in, in here it says, you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. A glad heart. And so, like, this is with a a child who is in rebellion to their parents. That chore is a drudgery. It's all, oh, it's take forever. I can't tell you how long, how how many hours Daniel, Michael, and I spent in our bedroom, not cleaning the room, finding joy in all sorts of other things. Other, you know, games, like, we we'd make up games to try to clean up and it never got cleaned that way. Like, oh, knock this thing over and you have to, clean, if you miss it, you gotta clean up three things and all that stuff to try to find joy in it. We didn't have the joy that comes in the obedience to the parent that made us, that wanted us to do that. But that is what the Lord wants from us. He wants to serve Him with joy. The Psalms are filled with that. Serve the Lord with joy. With happiness. Um, in Second Corinthians, it talks about giving cheerfully. I think I, I will read that. Second Corinthians, chapter nine, starting in verse six. The point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. when he's talking to the shepherds in First um, Peter and he says feed the flock not under compulsion but willingly so we have our duty to the Lord to serve him to obey him to read the scriptures and know, and, and yes to find the things that he tells us to do in the scriptures um, there was a time when anytime anyone says you, you, you should read the scriptures to find out what the Lord wants you to do I cringe it's like you read the scriptures to know Jesus and that, of course, is true. But also, how do we get to know Him? It's by doing what He says. It's by obeying Him and following after Him on in, in, um, what He wants us to do. In Hebrews, so I'm going to, um, we're almost done here. I have a couple more passages. In Hebrews chapter 12, we'll, to, um, we'll just start with verse, verse um, 1. uh, it's so much hating it and cringing from it, but looking on it as nothing. The shame was nothing because of the joy of being obedient to his father and knowing at the end that he was going to be able to look his father in the eye and say, I did everything you required of me. And he did. And so that's who we're looking to consider him in verse 3. Consider him. Who endures from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted? How often is it in our Christian life we become weary we're, 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 we're faint-hearted. we 're faint hearted we struggle to move on or to even to see what what is it, where am I to go on and that 's where we find he says, find your pur- find what the purpose the Lord has for you." Find what is your duty and enter into it with all your heart. And then moving on in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So this is the therefore, after he's talking about what the Lord's doing through discipline and that we're looking to Jesus. Therefore, lift up yourself, strengthen yourselves. Um, the Old Testament phrase would be, gird up your loin. Um, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. When somebody is trying to do their duty in drudgery, it affects everyone around them. It's it's many are defiled. There's a root of bitterness that that comes out of that. Um, But so we have to do what? It says obtain the grace of God. And that's the key. It's like, oh Lord, I don't have the joy in, in this task that is before me. In being a husband, and being a father, and being a shepherd of those you put under me, and discipling these people, and reaching out to a friend. And do, there's it, It's just like, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. We can acknowledge that to him. And even Jesus, before he went to the cross in Gethsemane, he wept. He swore. I think he wept. Maybe he didn't. Move. He, at least he had sweat drops of blood. So that's worse than weeping, I guess. But he had this agony of soul. He said, um, "Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me, but not as I will, but as you will." And then um, Isaiah, in prophesying about, says he set his face as a flint, and he. He, he looked to the cross and he knew, this is where I'm going. This is my duty for the Father. And in Hebrews 12 it says, for the joy set before him, he endured that cross. It's one thing to look back on something and to see the joy that could, that came out of it, the, the good things. It's another thing to walk in faith that what we have before us, the duty that we have for today... By doing that, that we are going to have a joy. We will enter in into the joy of our Lord. But we cannot and then that's kind of the last point I want to make. We cannot just do it because we'll fail and we'll 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 get down on ourselves, we'll we'll look down on, on our own ability to do the will of God. And that's why in, in Hebrews it says, Don't you you've obtained the grace of God. It's be careful so that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And back to, in closing, finishing in Second Peter, after all these things he's talking about, the angels who sinned and the people who followed the error of Balaam, the false prophets, the people who follow their own lusts and um, the people in the end times who um, don't believe, who follow their own sinful desires. Peter says, You, therefore, in verse 17 of 2 Peter 3, You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We have a duty before God, and before that, it is not um, a it is not a drudgery to do our duty before God. And, as a result, it should not be a drudgery to do our duty to um, to our fellow believers, to our families, to our wives and husbands, our parents, our children. Um, when even it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. are obeying your parents in the Lord, there's a joyfulness. And if you act joyful... And if you whistle and sing and do the little things, it helps. When when you're doing so when you're in love with somebody, it's easy to do things when when um, for them. When you have to work on keeping that love going. Sometimes it can become a drudgery. Instead we think about like what the Lord has called us to do, ask him for the joy. Say, Lord, I don't have joy in this task if we don't. Ask him for it. Say, Lord, oh, give me joy in what you've called. Help me to see beyond the, the drudgery of the moment, the, the difficulty of this duty. Help me to do my duty before you. And the Lord promises, he promises grace. He has given us to, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Therefore, and dot, dot, dot. So that's what I had this morning, and uh, I think today it is—it is so easy for us to get caught up in the in the um, the flavor of the times, the, the modern culture. And I was just thinking about this this idea of doing our duty, and how important that is. But we need His grace, Lord. I come to you today, and we, we, I do ask, the Lord, that you would um, pour your our spirit out on, on each one of us, on us as, as your church, as your body, so that we can do our duty to you before you in cheerfulness and joyfulness of heart, that you would um, help us to see beyond the, the um, difficulty of the moment. And to see the joy that is before us, that joy of having done the will of the Father, of being able to enter into your presence and look look at you as you look at us and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of your Lord. Lord, we want to hear that. Thank you that our Lord Jesus went before us and he did his duty to you. He became like us and so that he could be a faithful high priest. Lord, help us to be faithful. We need you. We are in such desperate need of your grace, your mercy. And Lord, when we stumble, when we fall, when we grumble and complain about about what our duty is, Lord, just remind us, bring it back to our memory so that, that our mind can change, that we can be transformed from one degree of glory to another. Um, but, Lord, the working is all yours. The power and the um, ab- ability to obey is all from you. It is your grace. So we just come to you this morning, Lord, ask for your grace. Um, help us to not fail to obtain that grace, um, but to walk in it and grow in it until the day when we see you face to face. Lord, we, we worship you. We lift you up. Thank you for your word and um, for your Holy Spirit. So we commit this time to you, In Jesus. Name,